this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 747. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, staying safe, doing the right thing. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 747. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. It's like an airplane. 747. Do people, do they still have 747s? Because I feel like that was the word for airplanes when I was Wasn't it phased up. out? I think so. I don't know. I'm literally talking out of my ass. All, when I was a kid and cared about planes, you know, in the way that a, kid, that a young boy cares about planes. Billy, you know what a young boy cares about planes. <laughs> When I was a kid, like the 747 was the big jet, and the F-14 Tomcat was the yep. big jet, and and uh, I don't think either of those are in production anymore. So this is like, you know, like when your parents were like, the P-47 Spitfire was the shit, man. You know, that's like us now. 747 for Ferrari Testarossa. I also have, yeah, the Lamborghini Countach. <laughs> yeah, I also have a, an image in my head of a um, of a spiral staircase. Yep, in a plane, and with I've a, never. There's no wet bar. Yeah, I've never seen that in real life. Because <laughs> I have once when I was a kid when we, we went to Paris. I was gonna say because I, I I never flew first class as a ten year old or. Oh, we didn't fly first class. It's just it was just there in a the plane. You oh wow! It. I just yeah. figured that was up in the front with the. Yeah, but you had to pass it to get you know when you get okay. in the plane. You know? You're like, guy. Wow. Oh yeah. right, because when you come in, yeah. it's like after that guy takes off, don't you dare go past those curtains. <laughs> no, no, no. Can I just hang Let's, my coat? Because there's no. Nothing on this. Uh, no, sir. Okay. Plus, there had been so much Dramamine, and well, I didn't see anything. It's true. Anyway, we are a fanboy, and we uh, we do stuff that involves reading comics. I, the, the wrong word was coming out, and I put the brakes on it, mm-hmm. but I had nowhere else to go. I hear you. Uh, we like comics. We read comics. We read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, the, the patron pick, the listener mail. Everything we try to do here is to increase our, our and your enjoyment of reading comics. That's that's our job. And here's a spoiler warning. There'll be spoilers. This is a review show, so exercise some caution. This week, Josh, you had to pick. And I, I it's funny. I did not know what you were going to do this week because I finished my books I think, way before you did. Mm-hmm. And uh, surprise. Not not surprise, but you'll, 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 you'll explain. Uh, the pick of the week is Empire number 6. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not. Um, the pick of the week is um uh hellblazer rise and fall book one which is uh, a mini series on black label comics which isn't gonna exist edited uh by an editor who's not there anymore (laughs) um you know and we don't know that it's not gonna exist it's probably gonna exist to to do reprints and stuff who knows we're well right but but you know they they it was a hell of a consolation prize for vertigo 
Yeah. I th- I think is is fair to say. Um and then one penis that literally, you know, anyway. <laughs> um have those people, always ruin everything. Have these well, I mean there's there's an <laughs> argument to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, in at multiple strata. Mm-hmm. Um where was I? So this is Tom uh, Taylor. Derek this Robertson. is a Hell, Hellblazer story by Tom Taylor, uh, Derek Robertson, uh, color by Diego Rodriguez, and and letters by Jerron Bennett. And I, I I just said the word consolation prize, but I look at this as my consolation prize. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we were in the midst of, are in the midst of, uh, but a soon to be ending Hellblazer run. Actually, is it called Hellblazer? I've been calling it's called it. John Constantine colon no. Hellblazer. Yeah, well, it's better than it's been. And it's, it's crazy that the uh, the kids didn't flock to a book called John Constantine. <laughs> I know. Um, and this seems to be a one-off story. Uh, but I felt it was very clearly influenced by the Garth Ennis run. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, for sure. In terms of uh, uh, just the John that was here. Uh, that story is largely about his awareness of the fact that he has people he cares about and he continually uses them up and hurts mm-hmm. them and puts them in danger. That is that is what that is all about and how, you know, even when he finds somebody that he loves, you know, he will screw it up because he is who he is. Uh, and, and the guilt about that and this whole story is about guilt and the fatalism of it that he's accepted so it just sort of keeps happening. And then also uh, with with art by Derek Robertson and... You know, I I was a, a a big Derek Robertson fan for a long time. I have I'm looking at it in front of me. I have a page from Transmetropolitan number one right here on my wall. Uh, I I was a big fan. I did fall off the wagon because I, I mean I think one of the ha- things that happened is that I don't think people were, people were particularly great about coloring him, and then also he didn't have outside anchors for a while, and uh, it just didn't look as good as like when oh, who's the guy who was it Rodney Ramos? Yes, uh, he he Rodney Ramos inked uh, Transmetropolitan, and it you know it's it's the best Derek Robertson stuff has ever looked. But uh, I look Robert Robertson inked himself here, um, and it really is good looking Robertson. I think uh, yeah, this looked terrific. Yeah, this is the best of his work that I've seen in a really long time. Uh, you know the the colors work with it, and it is. I don't think it's similar to, but it's it's reminiscent of it. It feels in a spirit with the Steve Dillon art from those. Uh, oh yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, <clears throat> it's clearly Robertson. He's not doing anyone else's style. It looks great. People have the Robertson teeth and the eye, like the, the sort of bug eye faces, mm-hmm. and which is great. But there's a there's a quality to it. I think there's there's a couple of faces that are sort of D- Dillon esque, and mm-hmm. then. I think just the the, I think, the layouts. I think the coloring is reminiscent of of uh, of the Dylan run because you know if you think about it after that uh, in the whole time that I was sort of getting into these books, it was it was very vertigo-y. I'm making air mm-hmm. quotes. You know, like there was a lot of shadow. There was a lot of you know, it looked like a lot of gunk all over his jacket. You know, and in this, right. it's just his jacket. Like this is, and the brown is the same brown. I I really think that they very specifically went, in in you know, sort of, not aped it, but just you know, played the tribute to it. And and then, and I was you know trying to figure out what's going on. It, it's a lot of those stories too started off with going back to John's childhood. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, here's when I was turning into a shithead. Well, and, well, before you get deeper yeah. into that, I mean, one last thing is that you know it's very consciously you know the bar is called the Dylan and there's yeah, oh, a bunch yeah, of I other references. That. So like it's, I, I assume Tom Taylor is of a s- similar age, and she probably yeah. was very 
uh, that run is very important to him, just as it was was to you. So, I mean, I think there's another reference too somewhere. Oh, uh, there's a Delano, Doctor Delano. Yeah, Doctor Delano. So, um, it's, I think it's very clearly sort of a, not a homage, but a tr- sort of tribute to that era. Yeah, little love letter. letter. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so so given that we start reading this this we start with this story, and you know, we we, we the first scene is about John being born and how his mother died. You know, right after childhood, um, and it was almost. Childbirth, and it was almost written from the baby's perspective. Really, like it was, uh, you sort of just see what's going on with the baby. You don't see what happened to his mom. You see, you know what happens. What his dad turns into. There's an accident. One of his childhood friends is killed. You know, it, it's not clear if his magic did it or not, or it's just like he's got the bad mojo about him. Right. So he's he's trying to impress a girl, and he's got his other friend there, and he's trying to do a spell next to a river, and the river ends up like cresting and the, his best friend dies the girl saves john's life but it's it seems like it's an accident because the, there's a trash situation but who knows you yeah know, exactly so there's that sort of vagueness that i think works really well in this book and then at one point car drives up and it, it's chaz driving the london taxi mm-hmm. and chaz is dead in the in the other book and they know that they played it this way because i have just come to accept that there is no chaz anymore right. chaz is john constantine's you know and when we use the word best friend with John, that's you know that's a person that he's using for something, but has a bit of an affection for. That's that's right. kind of that's kind of how that goes. Uh, and so it's really good to see sort of classic Chaz drive up, and you know John treats him like shit, and Chaz still does all the things he's supposed to do. Um, and then we get into the story. There's a there's a the the you know a little boy uh, the little boy who died uh, is back in some demon ghost form, and then finally. The devil is at John's house at the end, and so well, the, the, main, there's the the main mystery though is that that is that rich, rich and powerful men of London are oh, yeah, are yeah. dying. They're from great heights. Like one of them is impaled on the top of a building, another one falls off a, a, a giant building, and they have wings. And so there's a whole. It's it's somewhat thematically similar to the yes. Simon Spurrier story going on here. Yes, uh, you know, and and he, the thing about Constantine is I'm a, I'm a firm believer that an American can't write him. Mm-hmm. And I, and I say that you know as a person who who wishes that was not true, but it just doesn't usually work. Now Tom Taylor is an Australian, as far mm-hmm. as I know, and mm-hmm. I think that what he has done is he wisely pulled back on trying too hard to make the the dialogue sound you know scouse. Right, like Let, Spurrier's doing successfully. Right, Spurrier can can get away with it, and and it and it rings true. And I don't have to. You know, I, I don't have to be from there to sort of understand that it's authentic, but mm-hmm. I, I think you might have to be from there, or at least you know, or, you know, adjacent to there to sort of really get that voice of it. And so, and I think Ennis did the same thing. I don't, I don't think Ennis went overly phonetically all of the, you know, all of the phraseology and the word balloons. And I think that's problematic in two ways. One, it's distracting. Two, mm-hmm. it kind of slows right. you down. It's more important to keep it going and just not give you anything to bump on. You know, have him say love. You know, you know when he's when he's calling somebody that, and I just think that it was it was very well handled in that way. So you know, right. the thing about this pick was it is it was the last book I read. I mm-hmm. I forgot about it. I mean, I didn't forget about it. I just thought I had done all my books, and then I went back and I was like, oh, there's one I didn't read, and I think I would enjoy that. And I read it, and it, it was, you know, it wasn't nostalgic in the sense that it was nostalgic, but it was like the good kind. It isn't doing an mm-hmm. impersonation of that thing. It is, you know, sort of 
lovingly influenced by that thing, but it doesn't overreach. I think. I think it's it's that, and it's also it's telling a story in in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. I, I I read the Ennis run, but I didn't read anything else. In it. It, but it feels like a book and a story from that era, and and so that's it's not aping it, but it's it's just sort of setting itself in that in that yeah in that thing. And it, it's not it's it's not it's not going over the line. It's well done. I mean, like you know, end of the day, that's really what matters. Um, and the benefit of this this format, the black label format, is it's it's like forty eight pages, so you're you're getting you're getting like two issues worth of story here, and mm-hmm. so. You know, we we meet John's childhood friend, the the, the girl who saved his life as an adult who's a cop. Now, I'm not sure why she's carrying a gun, but I, I mean, I, I know the, the, I, those are special cops in in in, in mm-hmm. England that carry guns. I don't know why she and her partner are carrying guns, but um, we, we meet her partner, who's a sort of nice, you know, kind of oafish he, guy, and he's dressed he, exactly like Constantine, which is right. weird. But then he dies, you know, and I felt real bad because we we got to know him kind of well. Yeah, and he seemed like a good dude, and he's he's the British DCI Reginald Vell Johnson, right? So, I, you know, that, that was good work on Taylor's part because it was like he built this character in these forty eight pages, and and then when 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 the the demon gets to him, I felt sad about it. Yeah. Like, oh, that guy was nice. It's just there's a lot. You got a lot of there's, there's, there's a lot of meat in it. What I'm saying is you get a lot to go yeah. on here, and this was a very satisfying. Read. I really liked this a lot. Yeah, and you know, I've read some other books that were pretty good, but you know, if, if I got to go with the the gut of sort of what made me happy as a reader, well, this is the one. And and um, you know, given the fact that most weeks there is not a lot of comics, um, <laughs> that tends to be the thing that's comforting at this time. Right. You know, especially again, especially if it's well done. I I don't I don't you know if something tries to go back to something that happened before and it just doesn't work, it's worse than if it was just bad. But you know, it works the other way too. It's interesting that this exists because, you know, we had a we, technically speaking for for a moment in time we have two Hellblazer books coming out. Yeah, well, and this is our last gasp for now. It's just it's just interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. Now I wasn't even going to put this in the script, but you did. But in yeah, number six, Al Ewing and Dan Slott, Valerio Shitty on art, Marte Gracia on colors, and Joe Caramagna um, on letters. I I just feel like this was the least impactful story I've read like this maybe ever. I, I just yeah. feel like nothing happened, and I was I read an outline of a story as opposed to an actual story. I think it was worthwhile to talk about the close of this since we've talked about it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to sort of understand where you're going, and I don't I don't think you're wrong. I think the idea is. Should an event have sort of plot ramifications that, you know, mean a lot throughout the line or should it be a, you know, a big turning point for a big character? It, you know, or is it a chance for sort of all of these people to come together and do a thing? But in which case that needs to have stakes. And there were stakes, but they didn't feel like anything. I feel like it didn't do any of those things that you're talking about. Like it didn't, it didn't do anything engaging. Um, and I think first and foremost, of all those things, first and foremost, it should tell an, a story in, in its own pages. You know, it should tell a really engaging story. It should have stakes. It should rise and fall, have rise and fall action. It should have emotional buildup. It should have a satisfying climax. Something important should happen to justify event status. I'm not, I'm not saying it needs to change everything, but mm-hmm. like 
it ne- you need to be able to pick up Empire one through six and read an, a really engaging story. And I think I feel like for most of Empire one through six, you just had people standing around talking and and nothing really. There was there was no plot. There was no intricate plot. There was no like. I guess the big reversal was the fact that it wasn't Hulkling who was in charge. Like, but it doesn't feel like anything really interesting happened, and that's the most important thing for me. And I, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna say like, well, geez, who are the big impacts on this? It's it's, you know, Hulkling not the most, you know, popular character. It's not a lot. Like, you know, I like him. I like the Young Avengers, but it feels remote. It feels away. And so then we spend a lot of time with Tony Stark, but. It was this. I've read that Tony Stark story. You know, it was very much like, oh, here's the movie guy. He's but even again, it was out. the whole the whole time he's in the lab. Yeah, coming up with a plan. Like it's it just felt like. And and and, and the, I don't nothing know. Happened. No, no. Even worse than that, though, he, they didn't even use his plan. Right. There was a thing where he said, "I'm gonna, you know, put armor around the sun." Didn't do it. That's not what happened. Well, well, I think I, I I got a little confused by that too in this issue, mm-hmm. and I had to go back. I think did he? I give think he's bad plan? storytelling. I think he did transport the suit into the middle of the sun, like you said he was going to. Oh, okay. I think he did because if you look on page twenty two of the that double page spread, the bottom left corner, it looks like those curvy dots, like he trans he did transport. The uh, unstable. Okay, so you've got sun. you've got Johnny and and Captain Marvel, and then all the other people who show up, putting like keeping it under control until he can do that. I think it just wasn't very clear. In fact, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, they're not even doing what he's doing. They're not newcomers. It's just Dan Slott and Al Ewing, and they know how to they know how to tell exciting, impactful stories. I've read them, but this felt like people who did understand that an event book needs to feel like an event, at least like a story. And I don't yeah. know what happened. And I, I realize that events are maligned and the, clearly the combat companies don't know what to do with them. DC's basically given up on them the last 10 years. Marvel keeps doing them every year, but every year they feel completely inconsequential. And I, I don't know. It's, it's like they're trying to do the Kree scroll war over and over again and say, well, we do the same thing we did in the seventies. It'll be fine. It doesn't work. I don't. I don't need it to like change the universe. I don't need it. To, nothing. Nothing's ever. Nothing will ever be the same. I don't need that tagline to be true. Mm-hmm. I just need it to be like, wow, that was a really great story. Yeah, yeah I think you you're know? right. And, but it's hard. And I, I don't. In I comics, don't think I think it's hard to manufacture those in the same way that it used to. You know, that's that's not. Maybe that's maybe that's you and me. I mean, maybe if it was like there were 12, 13, 14 year olds reading this, like that would be like that was super fun, like the Atlantis attacks or whatever. You know. But it, we were just talking about like going back again, you know, when we were talking about Hellblazer. Like this is going back again, but it's less than. It is not. Right. It is not as interesting. And I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the movies ruined it. I don't know. I think it's been it's been before the movies. I mean, it's basically, you know, for all its problems, and there were some. The last real good one was Civil War, and then that, it mm-hmm. feels like. That one did so well and sold so well and brought a lot of people back into comics. We've we've heard from people, a lot mm-hmm. of people over the years, that they came back through Civil War. And it feels like ever since then, they, they, they broke it. Like, they haven't been able to figure out how to mm-hmm. do that again. And no, that's true. There's been some okay one, like Siege, um, Siege was good. Siege was, Siege fun. was fun. And it, it, things were told a fun and good story. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing. There's other ones. Secret Invasion had promise. It didn't deliver on that promise. Then Fear itself was a was a joke. It's just, 
it feels like they've been hamstrung by the weight of expectations of trying to re replicate the success of Civil War. And it's just like they well, the thing about Civil War was it told a really interesting story that hadn't been told before. And um, I just feel like this was the least interesting story I've read as an event. And I'm talking I'm including Fear Itself in that. Well, you know, discussion. it wasn't like it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like you were reading it and rolling your eyes. It's just that it was. It was it was blindingly mediocre, right? That's what I'm saying. It's least yeah. interesting. It wasn't bad. It just was like, when is something going to happen? Mm -hmm. I or think... when is there going to be like a dramatic through line that through the story that I can hold on to? It just felt like there was random events happening. I think and... that you sort of nailed it in the fact that um, the main book didn't have a lot happening. They really, from a structure standpoint, they they sent a lot of the story out to other places. I don't. Did you read the Fantastic Four story this week? Yeah, I, I had to force myself to finish it. Yeah, I I think, but but the thing is, that was more interesting than this. And also, they overlapped so much that there were pages of identical dialogue between the two, right? Um, which I thought it wasn't a, it wasn't even a different perspective. It was just here's what's happening over there, but it's also happening here, you know. And sometimes you can see it from a different character's perspective, and that makes it kind of interesting. But it was just the same stuff, and just too much has been offloaded into other books instead of right. being in the main story. And and I feel like it was supposed to be clever. Or well structured, mm -hmm. but it, it didn't work. And I gotta say, like out of everything, the Fantastic Four storyline with the kids, you know, the the, the yeah, Korean the the that was interesting. Like those two characters are kind of the most interesting that came out of this because that will maybe be a factor over in the Fantastic Four book. So there's there's an impact. There's the thing that changes, and it's kind of fun. It's still an also ran. There's a you know, it's basically two Damians, um, two right. it's two alien Damians, uh, but it's just. It was all like a really big thing happened, and they were like, "See this in X Men, X Men." And I was like, "No, this needs to happen in your book." Yeah, it it yeah. needs to. It, it, you know, it does. It, it doesn't matter. And I get like, go see what happened. You know, in the other book when it's not a main plot point, but the main plot points all need to happen in the miniseries you're doing. The main book needs to have the main story in it. Yes, and, all and then it. that main story needs to be uh, compelling. Yep. It, it just wasn't, and um, looked good. Although I got, I did get super confused about on the on the, the where the throne room where forty percent of this book took place. Right. I kept getting those characters mixed up because they yeah, all got, they have those guttural names. Oh, it's Clicker lurked, but he's actually <laughs> right. Kurt. But that's actually Super Skrull. And right. I, I don't. I didn't know who. I didn't know who any of this. I mean, the main players in the book were not characters who I gave a shit about. Like the the main characters in the book that we know, your Captain Americas, your you know. Captain Marvel was kind of in that. Yeah, but was, I, she was a main character, yeah. I know, but I couldn't tell what I couldn't tell what her deal was. What side was she on? She became the accuser. Awesome. What does that mean? Well, her costume's green now. That's about it, yeah. And, and it didn't mean anything. And, and it's and it's an interesting when it was when it was introduced, it was it was cool. When they got to the point where they were like, Okay, let's get Wiccan up there to talk to Hulkling, but then there was two Hulklings and it wasn't so one had an iron mask and that was a real Hulkling <laughs> and the other and it I kept forgetting it wasn't really Hulkling. Exactly. I, yeah, it, it's almost, you know how we talk about how there's no superstars in comics at the mm -hmm. moment? Like, you know, there's not a name that will sell a book solely on its name. It has to be a combination mm -hmm. of name and property um, or a creative team. But events just don't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And they don't tell good stories anymore. So it's almost like Marvel's desperately holding on to this relic that they hope will sell well, them 200,000 copies again, and they just it doesn't work. I know, but they probably get their little sales boost from the thing, and the retailers like it because it gets people in for a little while, and they'll make some money off the variants, and that'll be enough, you know, but 
I kept hoping. I kept hoping that the the storytellers were going to surprise me. Mm-hmm. You know, because oh, sure. because because it's not a big name, and we've talked about what that means. But I thought, well, all right, well, here you know, here's these guys' chance, and it, it you know, it was just it was a thing that happened. It wasn't you know, and and you know, maybe because you can't manufacture that. But at the same time, there's no chance. There's no chance that there was not a writer summit at Marvel where every mm-hmm. very smart, creative mind at Marvel went over this and picked it through and came back with this is what they ended up with in the end, and it's weird. Yeah. I mean, the War of the Realms was was the last one, and that was a good story. Like, yeah. it didn't need to change. It didn't, it didn't need to sh- shake the foundations of the universe. It just told a good story. It was fun. It was fun. Like, it, I, it, it didn't rock my world. I, I don't think about it, but it, it was fun to read at the time. Yeah. And it, I think there was a pick of the week in there. This was, this was more per- perplexing than anything. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a little it, like fear I read, itself. I read it going, what happened? Mm-hmm. Like, who decided this was a compelling story to, re- to anchor your line on for what's funny is that every issue after issue one felt like issue two yeah it i mean we were excited if you go back yeah. we the, the prelude issues were fun they were good and then it just was like all of a sudden they got into it and it was like we don't really have a story here mm-hmm. so i don't know what happened mm-hmm. shazam 14 jeff johns uh dale eaglesham <laughs> scott collins is the final issue of shazam i think it appears i think um, so it says the end at the end, and this is the wrap-up of the thir- 14. Well, it's issue 14, but this is the 13-part uh, Magic Land story, which was long. It was really long. It was a long... I, I opened it up, long. and I went... It was like part 13. I was like, really? Good <laughs> Lord. And it's like a true monthly book now, so it feels like it was yeah. two years worth of comics or something. I don't even know how often it was coming out. It felt like they were... It was gaps. definitely monthly, and we had that, you know, four... Yeah. What, you know, gap in the middle. How long was that hiatus four months anyway um they probably was only two mm-hmm. uh so you know the shazam family as i guess we'll call them that defeats the evil and all that stuff but what i found interesting was that uh, so like comic creators can't do whatever they want like people may think that but like it's not like if jeff johns writes it they have to publish it like mm-hmm. it has to go through levels of approvals especially with legal stuff and and so if you recall, when they rebooted the Diff 2, suddenly Captain Marvel was no longer Captain Marvel. He was Shazam. And that left us with the problem of his family have, not having names, as opposed to Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. And then in this book, um, the, the, you know, we've, we mentioned this before, but Superboy Prime from the old continuity, the one who was imprisoned after Infinite Crisis, who was from our Earth, Earth Prime, where there's no superheroes, um, it, was imprisoned in this magic lands, and he, he gets out here, and they fight, and he's calling... Captain Marvel, Shazam, Captain Marvel, and he calls him Mary Marvel, and he calls him Captain Marvel Jr. and and I just find it interesting that after all that legal rigmarole about changing his name, that in this story he's able to do the other thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious why, but it may just be they they got to do it for this because it's an old character, but still it was interesting. What did you think of this overall? Like, did you enjoy it? It's fine. Yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this as a ending of the story. I think I enjoyed the post fight more, where mm-hmm. Billy Batson had to come to the come to the terms of the fact that his dad's an asshole, and it's not his, he's not going to get the fantasy dad that he wants. And I like that part, and I like the um, you know the sort of reconciling of the family and the fact that they, you know, the sort of the the postscript where they you know they take they take Superboy Prime to JLA prison and they all hang out they hang out with the JLA and. Mm-hmm. 
they have a nice dinner with Takitani, and then um, you know we see the uh, reconciliation of the Shazam family with Black Adam. And, I liked that uh, bit. I like I liked bits and pieces of this. Like yeah, there are moments yeah, sure. and things of it that I liked, but overall the story was way too long for me. Um, oh, I agree with you. This this thirteen parts for this particular Magic Land story was was too much. Yeah, I mean it was a very Jeff Johnsian setup. You know, like you've got these magic lands, you've got the game lands, and you've got the, mm-hmm. this, and you've got the blue lantern, and you've got like, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's the same. You know, that's his thing. He goes, "Well, what if there was more of this in different flavors?" Um, but you know, the thing where you, the, you know, the dad stuff had some emotional grounding for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the the there was a lot. I really liked the bit at the end where like they had to fit Black Adam in there, and he's like. Mm-hmm. Stay out of I forget what his country's called. Kondok. Stay out of Kondok, and we're good. And they're like, all right, you know. And and so there's that. And I I, I like I, you know, that goes back to the Justice Society, where where Black a- Black Adam is more of a um, antihero. Yeah, or at least he's ambiguous. You know, like he's he's like Doom. He's a lot like Doom now. You know. Oh yeah, he's got his own country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and like it, other than that, he's gonna protect his country. He's gonna be a hundred percent or Namor. It's it's all very yeah. you know very similar. And I, I like yeah, I like that kind of stuff. He looks a lot like Namor. If you just switch their clothes, they're the same dude. <laughs> um, yeah. He doesn't need the cape though, Black Adam. No. No. Um, no. But I I mean I liked all that bit. Like the actual. When reading a series, the actual like fight of the Magic Lands, mm-hmm. I just sort of mentally glossed over. But True. the actual character stuff, I thought was really good, and that's where Jeff Johns excels, and he excels at taking pieces of disparate things and putting them back together. And you know, this sort of postscript is fun. And if this was where they were leading a new Flash uh, Shazam adventure, then that'd be great. But they're they're not because there's no more. But well, I, I do mean, need them at some point to figure this naming thing out because we can't just keep calling them by their first names. <laughs> Who are you, Jim? Jim Shazam. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which you know, if if you want to go that hokey, Shazam is the way to do it. But they're not even doing that right now. Yeah. They're just calling them, you know. So like, they are superheroes. They need names. I I will say it was fun to see Eagle Shim sort of you know riding along with with Jeff Johns again. I thought you mm-hmm. know he's the right guy for this kind of story. I just like if they're gonna set up a new paradigm for these characters, great. You have to do that in four issues, and then you got to get moving. Because what happens is it took them so long to do it that by the time they set this up, DC Comics has changed irrevocably. Right. And, you know, so then you did it and you did it for nothing in a, in a way. I mean, like, you know, bits of it were fun to read or whatever. But, you know, it's like I've laid all this track. We're not going to build this railroad anymore. But look at that track. Anyway, let's move along. It, that's kind of what. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine going back and reading, you know, reading this. No, story. no, no, no. <laughs> because there was there was that last time he did a shazam he like he did like the shazam origin story it was with gary Clark, gary frank i think mm-hmm. and that's what they based the film on and that was fun and i liked that was a great miniseries and i would recommend recommend it to people who like those characters but this this book while i nominally enjoyed reading it for the most part i wouldn't tell people to you know definitely go check it out unless it, you're a huge Shazam fan it was one of the when an issue came out i would look at it and say either didn't i already read the, like or or did i drop this I can't remember if I stopped reading this, so then I'd read it again, but with trepidation. In the end, I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. And then the next issue comes out, I was like, did I drop this? I guess I'll read it. I just kept doing that over and over from like issue five. And the thing is, like, there were always something in the issue that yeah. was worth it, that was good. And so, you know, I like at the last page that it's Black Adam who suggests getting pizza because he's not super, he's not 100% evil. He likes pizza. I mean, just anybody. Like- 
Anybody who likes pizza has got to be a little good. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, anybody, um, and anybody who doesn't like pizza is probably evil. So, yeah, it was fine. It was that's fine. Fair. That's, you know, the, the, the sliding scale, that's kind of okay for now. I, li- I do like that Jeff Johns is just, just like, I'm going to, because he was like the only one fighting the fight for DC. Like, I'm, we, we've lost our way here, and, and then they yeah. marginalized him. So I like that he's trying to inject parts of that into the one book he was writing until it was over. I mean, he was the guy, you know, in sort of the last overall golden age of, of you know, not golden age, but, you know, sort of really strong period for DC. He was the guy it was on the back of. Yeah, we, and also we just know from people telling us that it, after the 52, there was the internal split. He was the guy on the one side saying, we've lost our way. We need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. We've lost the, the, the feeling of DC Comics. And, and then he ended up losing that war. Dan Didio, who's no longer at the company. So anyway, let's talk about Black Widow, number one. New book from Kelly Thompson and Alana Casagrande, Jordi Belair, and Corey Pettit. They need to get a female letterer into comics so that they can complete these all-female creative teams. <laughs> um, is there? I like, is there? I think there's one or two, but in terms of big names, there aren't. And the thing is, they 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 often have these female character books with all female creative teams until you get to the letterer. And it's always like, oh, like this gonna that's gonna come up again. Black Widow number one. I liked this. This was um, a fun little spy story. I think Kelly Thompson writes fun, breezy, yeah. sto- you know, Marvel stories. And this one, she's on a mission, and it goes wrong. And then we jump forward in time. She falls off a building. We don't know what happens. We, we, we jump forward in time, and she is now the sexiest architect in San Francisco who uh, may or may not have no memory of her per- previous life. So I, I, thought this was, I thought this was fun. I thought the Casa Grande art was really good. It had just enough weirdness to it that made it interesting, but it also was really solid superhero art. And, um, you know, they, they just love this triumvirate of, Black Widow and Bucky and Hawkeye, and so that's what this. They're not the is. only ones. <laughs> I think I think it's great. It's um, you know what? You put this on the list, and I I had not seen it. I had not noticed it, but I was looking forward to it. I knew about this because I, I had talked to Kelly about it, um, and they'd sort of backburnered it while everything while they tried to figure everything out. So this you know just came out now, and uh, so I was glad that I got to read it. Um, and it was kind of what I expected in terms of that story, and I think that mm-hmm. you know. You know the 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 three months later. You know, like here's a new paradigm. Let's take this out. Let's do this. You know, let's do this thing. Let's stay in this part. Of, you know, it'll probably connect to Marvel proper at some point. But for right now, uh, let's sort of start all on our own. And and I don't mind it. You know, I mm-hmm. I don't, I, I kind of like how it. Hopefully, it can be in its own corner for a little while, and we have to work out this mystery. I think the surprise for me was I have seen Elena. Casa Grande's name on something else before, mm-hmm. and I don't remember. I don't remember it one way or another. I just, obviously, I remember her name. Right. So I thought I don't think I liked that art. And as I got going with this, I was like, I really like this art. And I yeah, think this is really good. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm imagining Jordi Belair is a bit of the secret sauce in that. But um, the combination of the two of those was was really great. I thought that as a team, it really they all really worked together. It's a beautiful book, um, and kind of exciting, and then kind of kind of fresh. You know, like yeah. we've had a lot of Black Widow reboots, and that last one, you know, Mark Wade and Chris Somney, that you know, that sounds like kind of a dream team, but I, I, I don't remember a damn thing about it. I remember the first issue was all action and really fun, and then after that, I don't remember anything about it. Right, and the thing is, you know, that's most comics. Most yes. comics you read, you're not going to remember, even if you did enjoy them. And 
Um, this is so far a different take. It's fun. We don't know. We don't know what the story is here. We're, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's the first issue. We just know that there's a mystery and that perhaps Black Widow has amnesia, and Bucky and Hawkeye are going to try to fix her or help her because they spot her on the news in the background walking around in her new new guise as a sexy architect. The belly shirt's a, a bit much. I was like, all right, let's <laughs> let's let's be let's be a little realistic. It's a distracting thing, if nothing else. And then I did notice that when she and when she fell off the roof, big high heels. And I was like, really? The team of women are going to draw her with the giant high heels as she's doing that. But then she lost her shoes at one point. So anyway, I liked it. I really I think my favorite page was uh, weird, slumpy Captain America talking to her on the roof. Like <laughs> it was like he wasn't sure of himself. Oh hey. What are you yeah. doing, Natasha? Are you, you get a ride? Oh, you le- oh, bye. I hate when she does that. That's like, all right, that's your Batman joke. I get it, but um, it's kind of it was funny. Um, it was fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to the next issue. It was it was good, and I'm looking forward. I like I like that team that Hawkeye, Bucky, Black Widow team. Where they, you know, she's yeah. dated both of them. They have a weird tension, and it's it's a good it's a good mix. So I'm looking forward to more of that. Let's take a quick break and talk about how you can help support iFanboy. There's million, not millions, there's myriad ways to do that, and all of them are important. It helps keep the show going, helps us pay the bills, helps keep the time being worthwhile. We thank everyone who does that. The main way, patreon.com slash iFanboy. We have so many great patrons there. They, they help support the show directly. They keep us going. Uh, they get fun um, perks, and they help us hit stretch goals. The stretch goals have unlocked they get fun new Perkins. shows. Perkins. They get uh, they up unlocks new shows. We have the the, the talk explode and the book explode are back because of them. The media explode is here because of them. And the next stretch goal is our GI Joe show. If you recall, during the during the hiatus, we did our GI Joe corner every week, and many many people asked us to keep going. We couldn't keep going on the show because it was sort of suffocating the show itself, just time wise. But if you want us to keep going with that GI Joe show, patreoncom ifanboy is the next stretch goal. Uh, t-shirts, ifanboy.tethers.com. We have our eight t-shirt designs and our Stay Home and Read comic shirt, which I wore yesterday, my uh, baseball version. Um, all the, all A portion of the proceeds for that design will go to the Comic Book United Fund. We we've, we sent our first main donation for that, and then in about six months, we'll do another donation. Every sort of six months, we'll, we'll go into the books, find out how much we made on that shirt, cut it, and send a, send a check over to the Comic Book United Fund. So you can help stores in need by doing that and we have not a new design in the works but we might be bringing back one of the old designs which we didn't add originally because we really like that design but we were talking about that right now if i'm com slash support that's where you can help via paypal directly if you just want to leave a tip in the tip jar if you're a billionaire who needs to drop some funds before tax time we always accept there's no no tip is too big none that's, that's i mean that's the motto you should keep in mind <laughs> I mean, we accept anything, and we are happy, and we, we appreciate it. even a dollar drops in the tip jar. But listen, yeah. you need to drop $50 million because of a tax problem? That's cool. We I'm telling you that. this. We're helping you out, really. Somewhere between six and seven figures and up, and we will <laughs> donate a significant portion of that to Poppy Rescue or sure. Cancer Research, something. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But somewhere between... Or United Fund. Fine, like... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Like one day they look like, oh my God, someone just gave us a million dollars. And it was like, that's right, because somebody gave us 10. Enjoy. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's fm.com slash support. And finally, com slash Amazon. You can help us out by, by buying the books, talk about a book or using the general link. And we, th- we thank everyone, really. 
uh, all these ways help keep the show going and we could not do the show without you and you, your support. And that's true for any podcast in the new crowdfunding uh, economy. So mm-hmm. thank you for all who do that. And, and we, will, we will deliver. We will do this at at least this competent level. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't make that promise. I, I mean, no, but keep like, doing it. If you're okay with what we're doing, I've got good news for you. We probably won't be worse than this. Young Justice 18, Brian Michael Bendis, David Walker, Scott Godlewski, Michael Ivan Oman, Gabe Iltab, Wes Abbott. And I wanted to talk about this for a couple of reasons. One, I really liked the um, sequence in the middle that Ivan Oman drew. This was a sort of a spoiler Tim Drake issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full team doesn't show up to the very end, but this is, you know, spoiler's father is the clue master. And uh, they so they go on an adventure together to... Um, talk to him she spoiler really wants to talk to her dad and involves going through layers of hired goons and i liked all the bits with the goons i liked the bit where tim drake's like and i won't because I, I won't call him drake tim drake says sure oh i, I recognize you you were you, you were one of riddler's guys and he's like ah oh, this is this is a better gig like i like i always like that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of i mean they're co-workers you know. in a way yeah yeah and then um and then there's a whole sequence in the middle where that oming draws and it's it's just it looked really good i like how he draws spoiler and the whole fight sequence he did was was pretty fun, um, and then at the end, uh, Tim Drake goes back to being Robin, which is really the most important thing that happens in this book. <laughs> yeah. the, just they really were like like bagging on it, like that's why are you doing that? You know, uh, it was f- I read it because you you sort of pointed it out, and it was fun. It was it was it was a good time. I still don't really know who any of these characters are, and at one point though, I did go, that's actually pretty good. Who wrote? Oh, it's Bendis, right? <laughs> I definitely did like a you know this guy this person's okay cuz you know I read a lot of comics where that's not the case but he wasn't overbendising it so it wasn't completely obvious. I just so he's good for a writer. I don't know how much is David Walker doing the scripting versus Bendis. Oh, but, that uh, might be it. David yeah, David Walker's a good writer too. So So this this book has I think two more issues or three before it's canceled but uh <laughs> everything ends in November all those books but um it's interesting again like the like the Jeff Johns thing like it wasn't it, Bendis may have pitched turning Drake into Tim Drake into Drake, but it had to be approved. And then the question is, why go back so soon to him being Robin? Mm-hmm. No. And then apparently in in in, in another book, Damien quit in, in like his Teen Titans book. He quit being Robin. So who knows what's happening? That's so something that impactful would happen in the main book. So I can't believe that's actually. I decided to not worry about. It. Like I had those questions. I thought nah, I don't care. I'll just I'll just go with this in this one right now. Um, this book's really fun. I'm sad it's going. It's they're they're a fun group, um, and I enjoy reading every week. Well, that's why it's going. Yeah. Deceased. Deceased. Dead planet number three. This one, you know, I guess it continues to deliver. Uh, Jim showing up and Damien. Jim Gordon. Get, yeah, yeah J- Jim. Uh, and and Damien gives him a big hug. <laughs> Just like that was as a little moment, I thought was okay. So this relates to what we were talking about. I, I, I did have a theme. This relates to what we were talking about with Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that these Tom Taylor books work that we're talking about, specifically uh, deceased, and then what's happening over in in Year Zero, which we will also talk about, is that um, there are stakes because we don't know what will happen with these characters. Right, and I think that is just becoming more stark and more stark and more stark. So when you watch the movies that we're talking about, you know the Marvel movies, but you know the other ones that are there are stakes because you actually don't know who's going to make it and who isn't, right. and it all matters. 
But I know that no one's going to die in Empire. You know, I, I know. But in this book, like when a character, you know, in the DC's book, when a character is hurt or killed, like it feels real. And therefore all of those, you know, all of those emotions and, and, and you know, are, are validated. You know, in the other book, you know, even if you talk, we were talking about Civil War. Do you remember the death mm-hmm. in Civil War? It was Goliath. It was the, the big guy. Yeah. It, 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 I couldn't have told you who that character was. And that was the biggest impact in that book. And that guy, that guy's at least stayed dead since then. You know, but I also don't need I don't need a death to happen in an event book. I just need a big story to happen in an event book, and that's no, that's... I I know. But what what I'm getting at is I'm using deaths as a as a placeholder for stakes. Mm-hmm. Like it just right. the things that happen in this book matter. There is character development. You know, we can grow Damien up, and we can show him turning into a man. You know, we can we can show Mary Marvel uh, with her giant shoulders. Who does not skip shoulder day? By no, the way. she Jeez. doesn't. Um, I'm hoping they just mean that to be like ruffles, but like it just when yeah, I turned that page, I was like, "Geez!" I, I looked at it for some time, but I also I liked that bit with her. I like how she showed up. I like you know like well, we got to call an Etrigan. Don't talk to me like that, Etrigan. Okay, you know, the, and then I like at the end like that's a shitload of Amazos, and I thought, all right, that's fun. And I think what's happening here that doesn't that didn't happen in Empire is the character moments. Yes, it's just yes, and that dramatic through line where you're following. A story, you know, you're following a through line through this book. It's is there a lot of talking? Yes, but the the character work is much better. And then there is a lot of big action sequences with characters you care about. Whereas this is like the, it's a diametrically opposed problem with Empire. But so if we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about character moments, I think that the the difference here is heart. Mm-hmm. This this yep. has a ton more heart, and the character moments air quotes in Empire are. Tony being anxious, but knowing he's going to save the day anyway, and Reed Richards being like, "All right, cool," and and that's yeah. it. You know, I like again, like the part I liked the best of that was they went and found Wiccan. They said something's wrong with this Hulkling. Cool, let's have a moment, and it just didn't get its its moment. So that that I guess was my point is that this just yeah. it's that heart and and it works with a bunch of characters. Um, and I like yep. I like when they hug. You know, I'm cool with that. All right, the it was it was good. It, it was like. Very much a middle issue. This is issue three of yeah. whatever six. It was like you know, it's it's bridging the acts together. It was a lot of good stuff, but it wasn't like a blow your away moment. But it was very good. And then Mister Miracle shows, shows up at the end. In Justice Year Zero number five, on the other hand, Tom Taylor, Raj Antonio. Um, this is the part I didn't want to get to in the story that I knew it was coming because the very first like, page of the first uh-huh. issue says this, none of this would have happened if the JSA hadn't been killed. And so now we've we've gotten through all the happy fun stuff. And now the Joker has his hands on this magical weapon and he's going to use it to murder the JSA. And it ends with him about to kill Alan Scott. So now it's like, oh, no. I was so happy before. Now you're going to do it. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And what's what's interesting is that it's been a really good Joker. I just whatever mm-hmm. sort of tone got struck like this is a good Joker. And even like Harley Quinn with him and she's in her normal outfit, you know, it kind of worked. I forgot that that Alan Scott is an older older gay man in a committed relationship. I was like, all right, that's a thing they did. Um, I, I Black Manta is ridiculous, and I thought he was really fun here. I think that you know Doctor Midnight was kind of, you know, like the silliness is sort of embraced in this one at the yep. same time. While this big series, yeah, but you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about it that way, but like the moment that he, the Joker gets his weird supervillain costume, I thought. Ooh, <laughs> I don't even know if I had the feeling, but you 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 identified it. You know what I mean? Like I, I had a feeling, but I couldn't I couldn't you know figure out what it was. But then you just said, it, and I was like, oh yeah, I don't really want that story, do I? 
<laughs> now we get to watch the Joker massacre the JSA. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, I'm enjoying it, but it's just like, oh, no, damn I it. get it. I'm really enjoying having them back. I don't <laughs> want to watch the Joker kill them all systematically. That's funny. Oh, man. Um, so that's... And look, I think Raj Antonio is terrific. I think he's great. Yeah, no, I think it totally works. And I just wanted to mention Firepower number three this week. Uh, Kirkman, Insomni, Matt Wilson, Russ Wooten. That, you know, traditionally every Kirkman book I've read, I've read in trade. I just think the the way he paces out single issues really is they, 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 they're very breezy. They go by quickly. And mm-hmm. for me personally as a reader, I, I get more enjoyment out of them as in a, in a big collected form. And I think yeah. that's what I'm going to be moving to now for Firepower because it was a great issue, but it felt like, it was over quickly, and uh, not that nothing happened because things happened, but like it just feels like, for me, I'm gonna get more of a satisfying arc of a story if I read them all in in one go. So, this is probably my last single issue of Firepower, even I, though it's terrific. It's really terrific, and the art is incredible. I got it. I read it. I enjoyed it enough. It did occur to me when I was reading it is that um, when Kirkman writes a family. Mm-hmm. The family always kind of has the same dynamic. Mm. It's very similar to you know the the Rick family dynamic. Uh, you know the way that the husband and the wife or whatever they get along with each other. It's very similar to the the Mark Grayson family dynamic. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is very sort of like this. This was very domestic, you know, in in terms of a story. Like they're training to be ninjas, but whatever. Right. And I always thought, well, I really like sort of small stories about people, but. I don't know, like it just like that part of the like everything going on around them is is different, but like as a family, you know, they're just kind of the same and boring. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I I was trying to I was trying to nail down. I was like, if you had told me that this character was, you know, it was Mark Grayson and his family, you know, and his mm-hmm. his mother was Eve Adam and Adam Eve. Well, that's been a while. Um, it's they're the same. Yeah, I get that. So I mean, it's nice. It's nice to have. It's nice, even though they're the same. It's nice in the overall scheme of things to not have a. You know, there's no drama. There's no infidelity. It's just. It's like. It's, it's like Friday Night Lights. But you there's know? yeah, but there's drama that you can have. Like Friday Night Lights has drama without having those things. Like I, ju- I like I feel like I it needs an extra element that isn't ninjas. Right. Um. And maybe I also wonder. There. I wonder that anyone who didn't read the prequel trade has no idea the stakes and the emotional stuff going on here. That would be me. Yeah, that's the, I was reading this going, man, I, I can't imagine if you didn't read the prequel, you would not be enjoying this as much. And I, I thought about that too in terms of like, it, it's just a weird model. I get like he's trying, you know, they're trying to break the model, but you're asking your initial buy-in to be quite high. Especially since all the stuff related to his old yeah. training ground, all, all, all that's from the trade. Like, I right. don't know, you wouldn't really understand what you're looking at if you so, hadn't read I mean, the fact is, like, if you're gonna, I think if you're gonna use issues, issues are your, are your entry level thing. They're they're your. Do I want to taste this and try it? So by starting with the trade first, like people might people like people like me might have said, I don't want to get that whole thing. And then I see there's an issue, and I go, Oh, cool! I can just have a little bit and see if I want it. Mm. Uh, It's just I don't know the point of doing it the other way, other than just doing it the other way. Let's 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 move along to the patron pick. Patron pick, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I mean, a lot of books came out this week, and it was a lot of fun reading them. Patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy can add a book to the rundown. And this was a book Josh and I are both targeted to read anyway, but we thank the patrons for voting for it. Spy Island number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Chelsea Kane and Leah. That last name, Mithernik. 
<laughs> I'm still opening the book. Um, yeah, uh, Leah Mitternich. Elsie, Elise Nicole is the artist, Rachel Rosenberg, and then who let this guy in? Joe Caramagna is the letterer. Well, you know, what's interesting about it, because we'd mentioned the, the male color or letterers earlier, and when I talked to Joe forever ago uh, on the Talksplode, um, he'd mentioned, because he lettered um, uh, Maneaters. Yep. And basically, and that's the only not Marvel, not, uh, you know, VC book that he does. Yep. And they mm-hmm. just like him, and they liked what he did, and he he lo- he was such a fan of that book as a thing to work on that he's just like the person who's going to go with Chelsea Kane wherever she goes mm-hmm. to, to letter her books. And so that's why you've got him lettering a Dark Horse book for the first time in memory. And I know that we're getting super inside by talking about where letterers are working, but those <laughs> are the, that's who we are. I, I got to say, so, if, yep. if nothing else, this would have made me check it out based on the cover alone. I think it's mm-hmm. a great cover. You know, it's like an old, you know, faded paperback, you know, pulpy novel. Uh, it's beautiful design. Uh, and then just the idea of it, I was like, oh, I was, I was totally going to read it anyway. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it opens with a fun assassination. And my question, and you're not the one to ask probably, Ryan's not on the show, but are all these science facts about the ocean correct? I wondered that. I was like, I should be swimming in the ocean more. I, th- I, I think I, there's got to be something to it. I think it yeah. would be it would be it would be really lame if not. Um, also, does it take does it take eight to ten minutes to drown in the ocean? That's awful. That's really awful. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, anyway, the one thing about drowning is that you know it happens and you're done. Right, but yeah, ten minutes is a long time when you're drowning. Uh, so the story of this book is basically there's an island in the in Bermuda the Triangle, book, book, Bermuda Triangle, which is not that crazy like Nassau's in the Bermuda Triangle. And uh, but it's a spy island. It's full of spies and other shady characters, you know, government officials and people trying to uh, capitalize on whatever they're meeting about. Plus a guy named Doug. I just and, literally, I'm literally looking at Doug right this second. I will say that my <laughs> favorite joke in the entire thing is the Quebecois separatist yes. is, is a mime hiding behind a palm tree. So <laughs> there's this, there's this, there's this double page spread like there's a cocktail party. It's it's a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever shady fundraising was going on and just everybody has a little identifier and it's like ministry of trouble and the sri lankan naval intelligence person and the irs and uh someone from Mossad and St- a stasi agent and, stasi uh, interesting because there is no well, east germany well there's kgb as well yeah it's true um, wait does this, take, M- does this take place in the past i, I guess it does mi6 okay. but then there's the i was like is that a mime and then <laughs> it, <laughs> the quebecois separatist it was just it was it's like a spy book in this in the same kind of goofy vein that Man Eaters was, and I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't yeah. love it because again, I don't, I'm not quite sure what's happening here, but yeah. I really enjoyed reading it. I thought it was funny. The art was strong. The art, you know what the art had? There, there were bits of it where I thought I was looking at Chaken. Yeah, it had like a rough edge line to yeah. it. Yeah, you know, and and again, it's that thing where when we were meeting, eating, reading Man Eaters there's a there's a real um irreverence to it and mm-hmm. i tend to not see that irreverence from female writers in comics if that mm-hmm. makes sense they like that's not the kind of stories that they're often tapped to do um so like you're getting like a matt fraction kind of uh book here nick spencer um but from a different perspective and it's like mm-hmm. it is genuinely like i laughed it's genuinely funny i think she's a great writer and if it wasn't for all that bullshit that had happened with um Oh God! What was the book? Uh, wasn't Black Widow? No, no, no. The Marvel book that 
Uh, oh, Captain Marvel. No, it was Mocking Mockingbird. Mockingbird. It was Mockingbird, and and like that sort of ended up in this horrible, hateful internet. Well, no, that that was because of Maneaters. Yeah. Well, either way, like she's not working at Marvel right now. You know what I mean? Like she didn't her her career didn't keep going up in that way. So she's she did Maneater. She's doing this, and I'm fine with it. But I'm like this this is a really talented writer. This is you know. It could be in the vein of a Mark Russell or something like that, but a little more abstract, you know. And and I I, I feel like it's weird that she got shunted off to the side. I guess is is the point. Um. um so the in this world, you know, it's it's similar to Maneaters that there's like this, you know, a, a normal world, but there's some fantastical elements like here. There's like mermaids and there's all kinds of you know m- magical creatures that live in the Bermuda Triangle. So, but in the midst of this sort of James Bond island, you know, this Car- island full of cartoony like, James, James Bond there. Yeah. Right. So I don't know where it's going. I don't really even know what the story is yet, but I do know that I really enjoyed reading it and I'm looking forward to reading more of it. Yeah, I think I'd actually consider this um, for for pick of the week for a, a couple of minutes, but I think, that, yeah, I think totally. that that's the thing that held me back. I was like, I'm not actually quite sure what this is or what the story is, but I liked being in the world for a little bit and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Um, I liked the sex interlude. <laughs> Yep, that was good. It was a great. Des- the whole thing is a great design. Like it looks you, up good you, design. You get to the end of it, and there's like this ad for the Bermuda Triangle on the on the back cover. Um, you know, it's just it's like a rocker book. Yeah, in world, in world advertising. Yeah, but but yeah. you know, it's it's aged a little bit. It's you know, uh, it's period stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really fun. It's a good book. So Spy Island, patron pick. Let's do our ratings, ratings. on Spy Island. Ratings out of five. I'm going to give you a solid four. I am too. Four. And sticking with it? Yes, yes, I am. So yes, there you go. Spy absolutely. Island number one. Patron pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Everyone can vote to add a book to the rundown, but if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show like these two people. Mark Minette. Uh, uh, Ken... Oh, I, I just, I completely, I just completely like uh, locked up. <laughs> you blanked. You blanked. I did. I completely blanked. I'm... You want me to go mine and you come back to you? Yeah, do it the other way. Harley Ashley. I think that's the first in the show where it's a total blank. Yeah. Maybe not. That might have happened before. Harley Ashley. Um, everything works for Harley Ashley. You know how you buy something <laughs> or you use a service, and like it doesn't quite work. Uh huh. Yes. The way you think it will, or you want it to, or it's yes. supposed to. Probably, actually, everything just works the mm-hmm. way it's supposed to work. Never any problems. You know, you <laughs> sign up for a service, it doesn't just suddenly stop working. It just everything Harley Ashley <laughs> is around works the way that it's supposed to. The way that it's supposed to, not yeah. better, right? Just as advertised, and not and not like the way that you think it's going to work, and then you get it, and that's not a thing that it does at all. Right. No compromises for Harley Ashley. Right. It's like, this is it just, oh, it works for me. See, I know that whenever I do a thing, there will be a part of it that doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So, like, when I right. I changed, I, I upgraded my internet service, I made it faster, and to do that, I had to change out the modem, and I went to mm-hmm. plug it all back in, and it just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, at about I want to say about an hour and a half of me trying to, and I got it to work. I always do. But that about hour and a half where like my kids are like, when's the internet coming back on? And 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 my wife's like, can I help? And I'm like, everyone needs to leave me alone. I got to fix this problem. <laughs> so he doesn't have to do that. No, everything just works. He or she, whatever hourly is. Okay. Mark Minette. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to say within a range of 200 years can de-age objects. 
Ooh. So anything 200 years old can is, is as new? Yes. You can bring it back to its original state. Now, wow. we can't go back to, to you know, Greece and Athens and, and bring these things back to their state. But about right. 200 years old, like that, well, that's, a, that's a really cool World War II uh, weapon. It's pristine. Right. Springfield rifle, gleaming like it came off the factory floor. Uh, you know, you, you got this guy, don't let him in a collector's comic book shop because he will, right. flood, he will flood the market. Wow. Pristine yeah. issues of Action Comics number one. There you go. Yeah, he's it's a it's a it's a possibly you know terribly uh, economically uh, impactful power. But all all of Mark's stuff is in great shape. Oh man, like this, the, the guy's his couch re- never deteriorates. Yeah, the guy's it's, records are immaculate. He never has to buy a new stylus. Oh wow! Yeah, it's all sorts of things like that. That can, you know, like all the the gifts that you get for your wedding. You know, mm-hmm. and over time, you're like, oh, man, we got this waffle maker for our wedding a decade ago, and it brings it right back. Right. He's, he's also, he's incredibly uh, energy efficient and, and doesn't create a lot of waste. Wow. There you go. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go to add a book to the rundown. And also to get your superpower live on the show. Um, the I know sim- we're long. We, we need to do the first question because yeah. it's a fast answer. I don't want to leave them hanging. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so Ryan in Cincinnati says, I have been thinking about this question for 30 seconds since it entered my mind and was able to write this email. Now, I think in normal times, we would like you to wait longer. Yeah. But under the circumstances, we're going to allow this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, watch it. <laughs> You've been warned, counselor. Yeah. My friend is getting to interview Brian Michael Bendis for her non-comics professional job. Since I'm a big comic fan and have interviewed some creators in the past, she asked if I could help a little. I have some great questions, but uh, uh, should I have her ask him what was in the closet? No. Really, no. Definitely not. First of all, that was our thing, and even we gave up on that. Okay. Like, it's over. Um, For anyone who doesn't know, way back in New Avengers 26, way, way back, uh, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch had sex. Scarlet Witch got up at the end of the issue, opened the closet in the room, and looked up, looked at something in horror. We were, we were, the camera was from the point of view from the inside of the closet. We don't know what she opened up because it was never mentioned again. That was the cliffhanger of the issue. The, the next issue didn't pick up on it. It was never ever mentioned. And so for years, back when we were doing full time comic book media coverage, every time we interviewed Bendis, every press conference we went to, we always asked what was in the closet to the point where he got really annoyed with us in a humorous way but still and so and that was really only ron's thing we didn't i didn't even do it and then we eventually stopped because the joke got old Mm -hmm. so i don't even know that he would have the context because if your friend who's not even a comics person asked him i don't think he would know i mean unless you said in in new avengers 26 what was in the closet but man that that's like it's a joke from 10 years ago and also it's a joke that neither of them would understand and it would just be awkward you're right i was gonna say yeah that's funny but no you're totally right if this is a real thing i wonder what a non-comics professional interviews brian michael bendis for like Um, like how creative professionals should invest their retirement funds or he's uh he's a big proponent of adoption he's got a lot of adopted kids there's all kinds of reasons to interview bendis it's true you know, it'd, be, it'd be curious, Ryan, if you tell us just in what context this interview is. But I, it, it's not worth it. No, you're right. You're right. 
It's not worth it. There's I no thought context. I I thought I thought this the first time I read it, and then I got to the end, and then I forgot about it, and I was reading it again this time. I was like, "Oh, interview advice. I'm very good at this." And then I was like, "Oh, this is not what that's about." Uh, and also, my interview style is definitely not useful for whatever this other non-comics thing is. So, right. Well, really, only the one question: should, should they ask? She asked that question. Yeah. The answer is no. Definitely, yeah, definitely not. You're right. You're right. That's a real answer. Uh, we're gonna do that next email next time because it's a good one, yep. but it's a very time intensive one. Uh, if you yeah, wanna... I want, I did want to mention that we got a bunch of new emails more than normal this week, and I don't know if it was because we asked for 750 episode 750 emails, although only a couple of you marked them as 750. So I don't know if the rest of you who wrote us in more than normal wanted your emails for 750 for the regular show. If you don't mark them 750, we're not gonna do them on the 750th episode. So contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write in and in. In three weeks, we're doing episode 750 of the all-email show. So if you want your email on that show, send it in to us. But mark it in the subject line 750. Otherwise, all, it's not going to be used. All you show. need to do in the subject line is 750. That's all that you need to write. Right. Not, I mean, there's and nothing else. Like as a folder, I'm putting those emails into, but I'm not going to put your email into that folder if it's not marked that way. So um, mark it that way if you want your sh- email on that all-email show. Again, no subject too small or big. No fee is too big. <laughs> no job is too big no fee is too big also here's the shows coming up or having come out Booksplode Pluto Volume 1 just came out um, we talk about the manga classic new manga classic Pluto and we have our final two books for the year picked out tell them the next and, one well as I said last time we weren't going to say it because good thing we didn't because we ended up changing one of them mm-hmm. in between this week no, and just, last just, week so. just the next one the next one is um, Pulp from Brubaker and Phillips, the image, uh, the image OG, and it came out Graphic about a month ago. Novella. So. Yeah, so that's our next our next book split is Pulp. If you want to get a jump on that, it's a hardcover OG, and it came out about a month ago from Image Comics. Also, we had our media split number six. Perry Mason was the main subject. We also talked about our, our missing going to the movies, and we did a grab bag segment. We talked about what we've been watching. There's a lot of things that happened in that media split show. And the next one will be coming out at some point soon once we figure out what we're going to talk about. And then next week, you'll get the animated brain trust review of Superman Man of Tomorrow. That's going to definitely happen because I'm recording it today, hopefully. Would you like and to know it- about the tiny panic attack I just had about the Toxplode? And I went, oh, my God, is it the 20th of the month? And I was like, oh, no, it's earlier. But still, <laughs> it's going to be the 20th. Of the m- I'm going to blink, and it's going to be like the 28th. And, and I'm, it's, it's, like, it's like not having your homework done in the dream about college. Yep. Yep. I, I know. My chair's broken. That's why it does that. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's okay. It's been broken for a long time. I just have to remember not to lean my elbow on it. Let's wrap the show up. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, some of our video shows, and all of the stuff that we've ever written uh, search top five. It's a good time in there. Uh, you can mm-hmm. find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash iFanboy and following at iFanboy on Twitter. And of course, iFanboy Comics over on Instagram, which also features the best of the week in panels, etc. You can follow us individually, CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, Jay Flanagan on Instagram, and sometimes on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy. Like and subscribe down in the corner. You can come back to us. We got some t shirts for sale. You always come back here. Ah, I'm very excited about everything. It's a green screen. I'm playing a video game. I hate, hate them. Josh has kids that like YouTube. Oh, that's all they like. I'm like, don't you want a story? Don't you want a narrative? And I'm like, yeah, I know what I sound like. This past <laughs> week, I didn't update this. What was in the past week? So, uh, Ron, Ron, Pick of the Week Mini on Young Liars, whatever that came out from 10, 2008. Uh, we did a spotlight on Hellboy. And then we did part one of our tote bag game in which 
Uh, we had a tote bag full of books. We each had to pull a book out of the tote bag that we'd never read before and convince. Oh, no, we had to pull a book out and convince one of the other two to read it. And then in part two of the game, which happens in a couple of weeks, we get the follow up in which we've, we've all read those books hmm. and we and we uh, discuss. That's but it's fun. I was like, that's interesting. I'd watch that. <laughs> so check that out. Eventually, not yet, but eventually the, the quality of the video will get better. We're still in the pre we're uh, in SD. HD. Yeah, we're, we're in SD right now. 480p, people. What are you going to do? It, it was WonderCon. That was the first show we shot yeah. in HD. Yeah. I, I remember like going, could we shoot in HD? And it was like, that's just too expensive now. And then it changed. Yeah. So I remember when we first started putting these old shows up, The first, one of the first comments we got was, I remember the quality being better. Nope. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Not for Not for a while. I so mean, you can check all that out, youtube.com slash ifanboy. We, you know, those shows are fun. They're not all great, but they're, they're all fun, I think, in certain yeah, ways. I think so. And if you like the show, uh, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, not iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen to shows. You know, we, we appreciate star ratings and reviews. That helps the algorithms bubble the show up to more people, and that's how when people find the show, we appreciate anyone who does that. It takes a second just to leave a star rating. Any podcast you listen to, I just give a star rating to Conan O'Brien needs a friend because it's the only podcast I listen to and it's fun. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. <laughs> They're not a sponsor. Better yet, tell your friends. Word of mouth <laughs> is a great way to help spread uh, the word about the show. We do appreciate everyone who does that. Anytime someone asks on Twitter for their favorite podcast, invariably people respond with, with our show and amongst other great shows, and we thank everyone who does that. And we are done. Thank this was another you. harrowing behind-the-scenes week, guys, that you're not aware of, but for us, it was stressful. Yeah. In terms of recording, not there's, our lives. There's a reason that Harley Ashley got that power. So, <laughs> <laughs> until next week, hopefully we'll have all of our techno problems straightened out. Harley's going to have to come over and hang out during the show, the show record. I am Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks so much. Harley!